Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Custard TV podcast. I hope you are all well. We are back once again with your regularly scheduled programming, looking at programs from 2023. Uh, she's back on the program after bankrupting Birmingham and leaving the country. Sarah's here. Hello. That's not my responsibility. I was not here when it happened. Oh, God, do you think that's why it happened? Because I wasn't here. <laughs> Joining us as well, a woman with maybe a little bit less of a social life is, yeah, is Dawn Glenn, only slightly. <laughs> only slightly. The uh, only thing I've done in the past two weeks is I uh, participated in a car boot sale. So that was, <laughs> you know, much more middle-aged. Thank you very much. I think I, that uh, Birmingham has got a lot to learn from Dawn. Maybe we should all do a car boot sale and, and have a whip round for the bankrupt <laughs> Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, that's or just a good idea. sell off bits of the council buildings and... I mean, that's what we're going to be doing. I think Birmingham is, is ahead of a trend that will. Yeah, probably... I think I think people are going bankrupt alphabetically. So <laughs> this could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. We'll be talking today about uh, ITV's new true crime drama, The Long Shadow, uh, new crime drama from Australia on BBC4 called uh, Black Snow, the return of Minx to Paramount Plus, and we have got uh, Still Up, which is a new comedy drama, perhaps, on Apple uh, TV+. Plus. Uh, but first of all, before we started recording, Dawn said she's watched a lot of TV. So let's go to her to find out what she has been watching. I have watched so much TV this week. I finished watching the second series of Ghost uh, America, which I really like. It's much more sex-filled than the British one. It's, um, <laughs> they have a lot of talk of sex and actual sex. There's lots of ghost-solving sex. But I, I do enjoy it. It's different. My mum was like, oh, I don't want to watch it because I'm scared. I love ghosts so much. I'm scared. Well, I was like, I was like, it is different. If you just go into it thinking it is different, they have a lot more ghosts that come and go. They have a lot mm. more because they have so many more episodes per season. And as I say, it's a lot more sex beast. And really, Pat is the only character, Pat slash Beat, who's the, the scout guy with the arrow through his neck. And that's the only one that's really the same. Three shows have returned this week. It's autumn, it's strictly enjoying that. Um, I'm still going with Annabelle Croft as my winner. And of course, Neighbours came back on Freevee, 
which was very exciting. And they immediately went with a big, big shock. Uh, a very clever first episode. We're two years into the future. And at the end of the final episode, we thought was the final episode, Toadie had married Melody. And then at the end of this first episode, Toadie is marrying Therese, who was with Paul. And it's like, <gasps> shock, what's happened for, for that to happen? The and Misha Borton's in it now. Misha yeah, Borton. Oh, she's a bit surfboard-like. Perhaps... <laughs> She will, she will improve with time, but I just did get uh, Only Murders in the Building, Cara Delevingne vibes from Misha Barton. And Sex Education Returned, I've only had time to watch one episode, and I was a bit worried about it because so many of the cast have left, and I think they're right to end it. Shows with teenagers shouldn't go on past four years, but as long as they have Otis and Eric together, I really enjoy it, so um, that's uh, working well. Um, I have not quite caught up with Women in the Wall, but I'm still loving that. And, of course, Only Murders in the Building. Which, well, I'm behind. Uh, very... I'm behind. Oh, you're oh, behind? No. I'm up to date. Oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> every, every time I go to watch it, something happens or I lose my internet. It's just one of those things uh, where the world's... It could, be, cons- it could be a ghost. Mm. Luke loved the most recent episode, um, and it is a very good one. I am up to date with Only Murders. Again, I like. I keep thinking, oh, I should catch up with that, and I keep doing something else. So obviously, I I can tell that some of the performances this series are absolutely incredible, and that's not something that I usually. I think I I understand on reflection, but not something that usually grabs me while it's actually happening in the moment. But it's sensational. Oliver's having a resurgence. I like him a lot better this series. Um, I have just started Wilderness on Amazon Prime with mm. Jenna Coleman in it. Um, I've only seen, I think, the first half of an episode, but I think that is something to w- worth continuing with, like airport novel stuff, but she's bringing a, a, a good show to it. She's doing her best, I think. Put that on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> There's been some <laughs> controversy about her Welsh accent, but it's quite soft and south and it sounds fine to me. She um, meant to be Welsh, not... so I didn't get that from any of the trailers. Is she not? Oh, really? Oh, dear. Well, in which case, then, there is a problem. Yeah, no, she's Welsh. <laughs> the writer of the novel is Welsh and wanted her to be Welsh. And, like, this guy that she's married, my God, even before any suggestion of infidelity, he is a bastard. <laughs> he's meant to be an events manager, all right? And so he's at this big event that his company are running. And a couple of things have gone wrong, and he just leaves his um, his colleagues in the lurch. So isn't that your job as well? Exactly. <laughs> so so he deserves everything that's coming to him. He deserves to be murdered <laughs> without a doubt, hundred percent. I also uh, got back just in time for Celebrity Race Across the World, and I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy it because it did seem particularly redundant to have a celebrity version of this program, this franchise that I think because the TV universally loves. <laughs> and it was great. It was so much better than I expected. Um, I think a lot of the heavy lifting has been done by um, Bonnie, Bonnie and Billy Bunger. Um, Bonnie especially is a game girl <laughs> jumping into a vat of pigeon poo. That was your review, wasn't it, Dawn, as well? That's exactly, uh, yeah, that basically exactly, exactly like word it. for word what you said. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I wasn't even quoting you. I just, we just think alike. I know when the announcement came out that there was much disdain on the internet for the celebrity with a very small C, shall we say that? <laughs> but so far, so good. I'm really impressed. A lot more impressed than I thought I was going to be. 
Uh, aside from the shows that you've mentioned, the only thing I will bring up is uh, Gone Fishing, Mortimer and Whitehouse. I obviously know Sarah <laughs> doesn't watch that anymore for I've reasons. I've watched a couple of episodes. Oh, you get, I've watched you... some of the new series. Oh, okay. Do we want this forever? Yeah, it feels like there's I... got to be a natural conclusion. I'm glad point. you said that because I... it's not as deep as it was, is it? It's not no. as... Perhaps a little more forced and scripted because that's what the public responds to now and that's what they feel they have to play into. Mm. Uh, let's of... have a little oh. chat about the fact that our dads are dead and then we'll talk to a doctor about our hearts and then we'll catch a fish and Bob will fall, fall over the end. You miss, you <laughs> yeah. miss Paul will pretend to be the dog for two or three minutes. I think yeah. it's when Ted became a main character that it lost me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, what's Ted's story? I haven't heard his tragic backstory. Has he lost someone important to him? He's got an underbite, that's his turn. And he's going grey. <laughs> It's still nice to have it there. I think it's one of those things that we'd miss it if it was gone. Oh, absolutely. It's just properly quiet, peaceful, calm, reflective TV. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com We'll let Dawn plug her new podcast, even though she's cheating on (laughs) us at the moment. Sorry, I'm I'm having a six-week affair. Uh, with the, uh, I love how you planned it out. Yeah, uh, the Daryl Dixon podcast, which is run by uh, Cyborg Queen Media. She has podcasts for lots of different shows, including Yellow Jackets and Cruel Summer. And this is her podcast for the Walking Dead's latest spin-off, starring Daryl Dixon in France. No, it doesn't make any sense. It drops on Mondays, uh, it's on YouTube, and it's on uh, audio podcasts as well. Um, and it is at Cyborg Queen Media, and it's called the Daryl Dixon Podcast. And I'm reviewing the weekly, the episodes weekly on the Patreon. Ooh, exclusive Ooh. Patreon stuff. So, you know. Dawn's Dawn behind a paywall now. She's all fancy. Yeah, if you, <laughs> I am. If you really love me, you'll pay for it. Brilliant. No notes. That is the tagline. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing new up at the moment, but a lot of my stuff is on whynow.co.uk. We've got some new stuff up on the custardtv.com, most of it written by uh, Dawn Glenn. Uh, She has written a (laughs) uh, review of Minx, which we'll be talking about shortly. Uh, Also, Starstruck, you've written about as well. By the time this goes up, there'll be uh, something on the Long Shadow as well. (laughs) <laughs> so basically if you don't want to listen to this podcast but you want to read reviews of everything we talk about then just go to the website yeah, is what basically. We're saying. Uh, Luke has written a review of uh, the final series of Top Boy which is on Netflix at the moment uh, we also uh, put out a, a new podcast last week, Dawn has listened to it uh, it's our TV time machine uh, we are going back 25 years, uh, we review uh, The Royal Family the first couple of episodes of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. The very bizarre Linda LaPlante drama Supply and Demand starring Miriam Margulies. And um, Luke had never seen Ally McBeal, which was airing on Channel 4 at the time. So we watched what? all that. As well. But he loves that kind of American TV. This is the real yeah, but it's quirk. Thing. It's quirky. I see, fine. He doesn't like the... Well, he <laughs> it, just it really never... was the, the very like dictionary definition of quirky, even before they yeah. put a dancing baby in it. You'll have to listen back and see what he thinks. When we were reviewing it, I was thinking we probably should have had like a, a woman on this review just to sort of 
We did get a shout out, Sarah, you and I. We'll, we'll allow it this once. You are and allowed to like things without us being there. A quiz that you can play along with at home because I know Dawn had, um, yeah. where I just Ooh. make Luke feel very sick. Oh, I love a quiz. Yes. I was so, indeed shouting Savage Garden at my speaker <laughs> for prolonged minutes. <laughs> there's, there's a teaser for you. And we would really like to know what you think of it and whether you'd like us to do any more of them because we have got some ideas, but it will be sort of dictated by the listeners whether they want us to do some nostalgic stuff as well as uh, the modern stuff. Talking of which, we will start the reviews. Uh, we will start with... Uh, the aforementioned The Long Shadow. Now, this is written by uh, George Kay, who most recently bought us uh, Hijack, the uh, Apple TV Plus uh, plane drama. And it's directed by Lewis Arnold, whose work you'll know. He's done Dares for ITV. He also more recently did Sherwood as well on uh, BBC last year. The ITV have, have dubbed this as the sort of the definitive dramatic depiction of the five-year manhunt for uh, serial killer Peter Sutcliffe. It starts with the uh, the murder of Wilma McCann. We see this through the eyes of her children. She leaves her children alone. We learn she's later that she's a sex worker. Her older two children get up, realise that she's not back at home, and wait for her at the bus stop. But tragically, it's the police that arrive instead. We then follow the police investigation into the murder, which was initially headed up by DCS Dennis Hoban, uh, here played by Toby Jones. He's basically met with dead ends after interviews, doing um, house-to-house inquiries, doing roadblocks and stuff like that, and he increasingly getting more frustrated and his superiors questioning why they haven't caught the murderer yet and then the other storyline is us focusing on Emily and Sydney Jackson who are played by Catherine Kelly and Daniel Mays they are deeply in debt we get like a bit of a video montage at the beginning sort of plunging us into 1975 and the sort of general cost of living crisis and where that sounds familiar they're in significant debt they can't afford the bills they can't afford to buy Christmas presents for the children. Uh, We see, like, the houses on their street. Theirs is the only one that doesn't have, like, flashing lights up at Christmas. Emily and Sydney go to... It's like a birthday party for one of his friends. Emily is dancing, and uh, when she goes um, out to use the toilet, uh, she gets propositioned by the man she was dancing with, who mistakes her for a sex worker. As they are sort of plunged more and more into debt, Emily suggests that she become a sex worker to get money in for the family. Sydney very much begrudgingly agrees to this. But as the episode goes on, we are just basically waiting for her to become another victim of the man who goes on to be known as the Yorkshire Ripper, which we assume happens at the very final scene of the episode. Sarah, I'll go to you first on this. Uh, What did you think of The Long Shadow? Well, the writers that you just mentioned, the directors that you just mentioned, the incredible cast. I mean, it was going to be very difficult for this to be bad, I think. Um, I did spot the preamble at the beginning, showing us that the mid-70s was a particularly miserable time for our nation. And there are an awful lot of parallels with what's happening today. I really want to believe that the Toby Jones detective character was like that. 
are we future washing this or was he really a genuinely extremely nice man and very progressive for the time I know this is extremely well researched so you would hope that they are giving sort of a level of accuracy here because it's incredible straight away there's victim blaming um in the control room in the police headquarters because there's this little mutter at the back someone goes oh well she was a whore or something and then when he's told that he must tell the whole room he changes that word slightly and calls her a prostitute to which he is told it doesn't matter does it matter no it doesn't matter nobody deserved to die like this he's really sensitive and he's smart because he knows that the public are going to be interested in this too he goes and breaks the news to the children very sensitively but then immediately gets them to stand in a line with their toys so that a photo can be taken for the newspaper and while that's a little bit grubby this is what he was trying to do he was trying to focus the public's attention on the fact that this was a woman leaving behind four children not that she had no victim blaming you know yeah absolutely sensational and then that little nod as the Christmas presents are passed around between husband and wife because they know how those presents have been bought. It feels like we're at Christmas parties by the end of this episode um, and already the top brass are thinking that the detective is the wrong guy. Um, he does seem to be doing exactly the same over and over again and hoping for different results. It was posters, it was door-to-door and it was roadblocks. And it looks like David Morrissey's being positioned to take over like he did in Sherwood. <laughs> it was great. It was very compelling, sensitively handled, with the focus on the victims and the police inquiry rather than the killer, which I think is the whole message behind this show um, and the intention. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that there, that, you know, I think it's very much seen through the eyes of, you know, initially Wilma's children and the Daniel Mason, yeah. Catherine Kelly characters. I thought that focus on the children in the beginning was really interesting and I don't think I've seen um I mean I watch a lot of crime and a lot of true crime and I don't think I've seen it done like that before quite harrowing the children just waiting for their mum to come home and as you say it's it's very sort of respectful to the victims I think it did just enough with that with those two the two characters the the Daniel Mays and Catherine Kelly characters not to sort of overstate the point, because we know, you know, you're just waiting for that to happen, aren't you? I think instinctively, you know where it's leading. But I think, again, you want to see her at home with her family, you know, the motivations behind what she did, what she did. So you've then got that sympathy. You've got that human face yeah. to put to her. She's not just like a, a nameless, as you say, like some of these, we would just be with Toby Jones you know, and the officers, and that would be the focus. And I think here, uh, pulling it back and, and focusing on the victims, and I think, yeah. you know, that's going to be a very be, We would be watching the act of murder, the violence mm. against women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, so far, we haven't seen that. And that, again, is, is respectful in a way that um, a lot of TV crime dramas over the past 20, 25 years have not been. And I do as well enjoy the fact that very much Toby Jones we see at home is a man who just enjoys a quiet life. Uh, Dorothy Atkinson is his wife. 
the reference to Emmerdale Farm and later the Morecambe and Wise. You like just Morecambe want Wise. to stay in and watch Morecambe and Wise at Christmas. And <laughs> I didn't do one last year. The only thing with this, and I think it's true of all true crime dramas, is how much you can sort of enjoy it as a piece of TV drama rather than it being sort of a historical document. I know we've had a lot of true crime this year already. We had the Steel Town Murders, we had um, the Gold... I'm sure there are more, but I can't think of them all. Six which was Ingleby. But yeah, brilliant cast. I like the way that they've done it. I mean, George K, fantastic writer. It feels like ITV have given this a lot of time. You know, seven episodes seems mm. like a lot for an ITV uh, drama. And I'm not sure whether this is all going on ITVX, but I have a feeling it might not be. Sarah said David Morrissey and um, there's other people, Jill Halfpenny coming soon and it's one of those where we'll meet new characters as it goes along because, as I said, it's a, it's a five-year time frame. I agree. I like that it's focusing on the women. And I think the key sort of underlying message, this is a story obviously about the police catching this guy, but it really is about the circumstances that led so many women mm. to be in this situation. You know, the lack of a social safety net for families. Child benefit was only introduced in 1977. And this was 1975. So, you know, both the women we see have four children. There's nothing to fund that if she loses her job or whatever. You know, she is a single mother. The husband leaves, the partner leaves. They do it in very small ways, as as Matt said about the, the Christmas tree lights. And in the first scene, when um, Wilma is leaving, and all four kids are in one bed and she looks at them and she takes her big coat off and puts it on the bed because obviously the children are cold. And it's just a small thing to show, you know, she has no money, she's desperate. We had uh, two episodes that were available to watch, and in the second one we see a bit more about another victim, Irene, who we see in a an interview for a nanny position. But because she's got grubby nails, the people interviewing her, you know, middle-class family or upper-class, whatever they are, judge her and, and don't hire her. And when she is eventually sadly murdered because she has become a sex worker you know the news report is that she had tried to get work for months and when she couldn't get work this was what she had to do and I I really like that that is the of the focus that all these women in slightly different circumstances but they were all pushed to doing the only thing they could think of to earn money because there was nothing else for them there was no help for them it's really um, important to see that that's not a choice. It's not pretty woman. Yes. It's not sexy. It's not fun. No. It's horrible, degrading, dangerous. And women who go into that situation do so in full knowledge of how unpleasant and awful it's going to be. But they do it anyway, yeah. because like you say, Dawn, she was out of choices. There was no safety net. There's a, a fantastic bit in the second episode again where um, they're interviewing a, a witness who is a, a, a sex worker who saw Emily before she goes missing. And the police say to her, um, is, can you think of a, a client you had who made you feel unsafe, who made you feel in fear of her life? And she said, that's all of them. That's just what we do. We know that is the risk we take every time we they stand on the street. I think they've done a really good job of putting that focus on the women. And Toby Jones, it's it's heartbreaking to watch this first episode because it is you know anybody who knows the slightest bit bit about this story knows it takes 
five years to catch him. And the optimism and hope that Toby Jones's character has that he's going to do this, he's going to find this, he's going to find him by Christmas, and he's going to save you know other potential victims. And to know it goes on and on and on, it's really heartbreaking to see it at, at that point. And one thing I, I thought was interesting was it really shows you the difference in culture in 1975 when we didn't have the internet and social media and all this stuff when they're putting up roadblocks and they stop a lorry driver he says oh yeah yeah I saw this woman and blah 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 and they're like well why haven't you come forward before this because this is like three months later and he says I never knew anything about it I live in Rochdale Mm -hmm. you know and such a small distance away he didn't know about it why would he it's just something local and the, the 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 fact that we just assume now everything reaches globally whenever it happens but in those days it was so local so not even just the north not even the northwest it was just oh this is just Leeds and that's it you know so all these little details that I, I think they put in that's what shows the quality of writing yeah. Any decent writer could write this story. It's interesting to tell. But these little things are what make it stand out and show what a good writer George Key is. Glowing reviews all round. The Long Shadow started on Monday on ITV1 um, and it is showing weekly on Mondays. Uh, another crime drama now, uh, this time from Australia. Uh, BBC4 showing uh, Black Snow. It is all on the iPlayer now. And Sarah's just going to quickly run us through uh, some of the basic plot details. So Black Snow is set in a small town called Ashford in rural Queensland. This is part of a South Sea Islander community. A time capsule containing a letter by a student who was murdered in 1994 um, is dug up and fresh evidence from that box kickstarts this cold case inquiry again. And fresh suspicion is cast over the entire town. Um, So this takes place in 2019. We're shown two timelines um, and I don't think it chops and changes too much. I think it's quite clear. It's very atmospheric, especially the opening scene as we see Isabel running for her life in the dark from someone she's terrified of. Um, She's escaping this pitch black night, uh, gets to this sort of neon lit convenience store and she's trying to call somebody. We don't see what happens to her, but we see the classic receiver dangling in the air. The cold case cop is Detective James Cormack. Weirdly, we see him in what seems to be some sort of fight club. Um, you bet he's got his demons and it's, he's about as flawed as they come, as is the hard-boiled detective tradition. So Isabel Baker um, was the girl who died. Her sister Hazel is all grown up and back from Brisbane. Hazel's got a daughter... Kalana who lives with her grandparents in the town one of the most obnoxious things that I wrote down (laughs) was why are they opening a time capsule from 1994 it's not exactly ancient history (laughs) but that was that was me being grumpy and hungover with sore knees (laughs) because I'm old Um, (laughs) so from beyond the grave Isabel's statement because they put like cute toys little souvenirs bits and bobs into this time capsule and then every child wrote a statement as well And in her statement, it says, uh, this town is full of predators disguised as friends. I'll expose their cruelty if they don't kill me first. I mean, come on. You can see why the police are interested all over again. So Chloe is one of her close friends, played by Brooke Satchwell from Neighbours. 
Uh, they're buying a van to go on adventures after they graduate high school, but she's keeping this very quiet from her very strict religious family. Isabel's also got a secret boyfriend called Anton, um, who she's sleeping with, but in the first episode we see them have an argument so and it seems you know like end of a relationship sort of argument so it's all very teenage and tempestuous so yeah Isabel ditches school she's a lot naughtier than um, her parents would like to think Um, and I think that probably puts her sister Hazel her younger sister Hazel in, in quite a difficult situation because Hazel knows exactly what Isabel's getting up to but has to keep her secrets so strangely it seems that Isabel's date of death is tattooed on Jim the cop's wrist, which is one of the reasons why he's desperate to go north and take the case, even though his boss tells him, don't you dare grumble about the heat. The local cops that he meet were very dismissive. And in 1994, there's only one CCTV camera in the whole of town um, at the ATM. So there's footage of the girls leaving prom and there's footage of a car and but that's about it there's nothing else to go on and what's really interesting is I uh, only saw the first episode but I had a, a quick look at some interviews um about the show Vernon 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 the heating and cooling specialist the name says it all when you focus solely on indoor comfort for 43 years well you get really good at it Get your heating or cooling system tuned by a Vernon specialist today for only $69. Vernon's 60 to 90 minutes of meticulous system inspection guarantees energy savings or the tune-up is free. Now that's a value. Go to vernonheating.com. Vernonheating.com. This is the summer to expand your horizons. It's time to explore. But before you set foot out the door, set foot in the ultimate lightweight, super packable travel shoes from Allbirds. Find your perfect pair at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. And it turns out, like many Queensland towns, Ashford is home to a large South Sea community, many of whom were tricked into coming to Australia to work sugarcane fields from the mid-19th to the early 20th century. This was a controversial slavery-like practice known as blackbirding, and it's a dark chapter from Australia's past that's not often talked about, and certainly not kids don't get to learn about that in school. And it made me think that it's really interesting to see a lot more variety in TV that's coming out of Australia these days. So I thought of a few. Chip in if you can remember some more. We've had The Tourist recently. Uh, Deadlock is um, available to watch now. Um, Wellmania. I mean, completely different genre, but still very Aussie-centred, Aussie-made. Colin from Accounts. There's just like such a variety of shows that are coming out of Australia at the moment and all sort of high quality. Um, Now a word of warning, I will be continuing with this series but a word of warning, a reviewer who has watched the whole series does say it rather runs out of steam towards the twist ending. I found the story of Isabel really interesting and as you see the blackbirding there's there's a lot, there's these you know sugarcane fields and it's very ominous and almost like horror story-esque you know the, the Often you see cornfields in America that are featuring horror. So it really gives it that sense of of something unknown out there that, you you know, we don't know what it is. And then it mixes in, like, teenage love and jealousy. And, uh, you know, she's got this boyfriend, but he's seeing another girl on the side. And there's stuff about the fact that her and her friend are planning to you know, buy this van and go travelling. And 
but is that you know her her friend is very rich her friend is from the family who owns the mill they are the people who were abducting um other south sea islanders and and you know bringing them to to work in the the fields so they have a very dodgy origin and has it continued is it's sort of an undercurrent of it i just didn't get on with the the lead guy i just I think because of that weird, the weird start where we see him in a bar and he goes out, he pays this guy, beat him up, and then he sings happy birthday to himself. And then there's no other reference to it. So I was a bit like, oh, they're really leaning hard on this tortured, oh, poor, you know. It made me think of Wolf. Just <laughs> oh, yeah, no, same with me, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it really made me feel like Wolf and that, oh, I've got this terrible, uh, tortured I presume and... he's lost a child because that scene also, he's trying to hook her playing like a claw. What bar has one yeah. of those claw machines, like the arcade bar. claw machines? He's trying to hook like a fluffy bunny and he gets it and then he goes outside. You assume it's going to be a drug deal as well. That's how they've set it up, isn't yeah. it? Like. I was going to say, it's his, I think it's his brother, like exactly the same as Wolf. Um, right, he, okay. He, he explains it to Hazel in the second episode because she asks, as you would, why do you have the date of my sister's uh, murder on your as a tattoo? So, yeah, she explains that. But, yeah, if it wasn't for him and, the you know, the cliched, oh, the, the local police aren't going to help him and he's the maverick cop determined to find something out and... I didn't enjoy that bit, but I enjoyed the story of, of the characters and I was really interested in Isabel and her life and, and Hazel now, what her connection is to the, the murder. At the end of the second episode, there's a, a big cliffhanger ender with, with Hazel that she knows something, we don't know what. And I really enjoyed all that and, and learning more about the South Sea Islander community and their, their um, history and their culture and all that. Really enjoyed that. It felt like it was setting up him as to be a character, you know, that would have multiple series. And so they're only revealing a little bit about him at a time mm. so that they can they can sort of drag it out. But obviously he is very pretty to look at. He's very, you know, <laughs> Tom Hardy type kind of guy. So I, I can understand why they're doing it. But I just think it's better without him. <laughs> I had similar thoughts, um, if I'm honest. Uh, that first five or so minute intro to him yeah. I was like oh my lord what's going on here but <laughs> as soon as we went to Ashford and saw the community there you know this whole unveiling of the of the time capsule I think it's actually it was a really clever plot device really it's not something I've seen before in crime drama you know to set it up you know here's this cold case we've never sort of solved this murder I read in the, in the press stuff but I don't know if they brought it up that they theorised that it was like a out of town like labourer who'd come in to do. Was did they bring that up in episode one? Yeah, yeah, that's or, what the yeah, local yeah, cop yeah. says. You know, done right, and just We yeah. know who it was. It's not one yeah. of us. No one here could have done that, but presumably someone there has done it. You know, it's another sort of small town murder. You know, we've seen this done before, but uh, as you both said, the difference here, I think, is the cultural differences the class um and and the sort of going back to the past which again is something that we've seen before but um is done really well here you know you, as you mentioned hazel is she a doctor i think yeah and she works away 
you know, you mentioned leaving her daughter with her parents, daughter's grandparents. So there's a lot of little different character things going on there. But again, the maverick detective trope with the past. I prefer, like, I, I, I prefer my coppers just to do their job. Like Toby Jones in The Long Shadow. I much yeah. prefer someone like that to... I think 10, 15 years ago, we weren't over the flawed cop mm. cliche yet. But we are now, probably yeah. thanks to Unforgotten. Just do the job. Just do the your job. bombing job. The job's interesting and important. <laughs> Just do it. But and if you've I'd... got psychological problems, see a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I was more invested than I thought I would be. Dawn, how many did you watch? Two? Yeah, just watched two. Yeah, but I, I think I do want to see how mm. it plays out. And I like the fact that the 1994 timeline it played out completely irrelevant to what he was finding you know a lot of these these shows when you see the flashbacks it's because he's found a bit of information but we're just getting that as a linear timeline slowly um happening which i I like that again it's one of those it's not going to be a priority but i think it's if you enjoy these crime dramas these sort of murder mysteries i think this is on the high end and i think this is a good it it certainly looks beautiful as well Mm. that cannot be overstated the colors completely saturate the screen really really nice and like dawn was saying at the beginning you do have that proper horror element and i'll be interested to see if that comes Mm. back again as a sort of um, visual reference again this is one that can be binged and i think will be binged by a lot of people on on the iplayer so that is black snow and as i say that's all up on iplayer now uh now moving to uh, a warm returning show this week it is uh minx a show that the three of us i think discussed last year very much my colleagues one of their favorite shows of last year and it's one that almost didn't make it to screen it was made in its entirety wasn't it It was finished can closed all sorted and then was just it stars in in the the u.s has has bought it stars picked it up i can't remember who who it was as as sarah said you know it's all finished hbo max wasn't hbo max i think yeah Yeah. Uh, but yeah stars picked it up i have aired it and it's it's running on paramount plus over here as did the first season uh, Dawn, as I said, has written a full review on the website and she's just going to run us through uh, the developments in, in season two. Mink is the uh, America's first uh, centrefold magazine for women with uh, male nudes. Joyce Prigger is the editor. She had planned to write a feminist manifesto magazine, but she met um, Doug, uh, who was a pornographer who has a slew of uh, pornography magazines including my favorite feet 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 and he says hey what you need to do is you know uh, the the peanut butter the dog biscuit the dog pill and peanut butter you need something a sweetener to make people read these articles so they join together and makes is a success but they constantly clash and at the end of the last series they had completely parted ways but doug gifts her minx he says it's your your baby, your show, you run it. He has a, his publishing company called Bottom Dollar Publishing. Him and his partner Tina will just carry on and, and make other publications. We find that son, surprisingly, without Mink, Doug is struggling. He's got no money. A lot of his friends in the publishing industry have turned their back on him because they feel he went feminist and their business is in um, naked women. So they you know, feel he's betrayed them. Meanwhile, 
Joyce is taking her time in picking a new publisher. She's being courted by publishers who all give the same pitch that she's a pioneer like Jackie O, like Amelia Earhart. She's unimpressed and bored by them and she's not, she's delaying and delaying making a choice. Meanwhile, her staff, which consists of two people, uh, Richie, the photographer, art director, and Bambi, the former model and just general lovely and clever person, are waiting without a job. Poor Richie is having to work in a family bakery and a very rich woman, Constance Papadopoulos, manages to contact Richie, says she's loved his work and she wants him to take some boudoir photographs for her. Uh, And Joyce goes along and is stunned when she discovers, oh, it is this woman. She is a big woman in business. She was widowed. She fought her husband's company board at inevitably lost because she was a woman against lots of men but she's very rich and has nothing to do with her money now Joyce messes up seeing her she's interested in interviewing her but she doesn't think to take the opportunity meanwhile uh, Doug goes to see Richie after this um, to try and curry favour with Richie and he hears about the meeting with Constance and Doug who is a much smarter businessman than uh, Joyce is Doug has the instinct for business and he tells Joyce he has got an appointment with Constance she wants to meet Joyce and him together uh, it turns out it's a dog show they borrow some Afghan hounds to take along um, so that they can speak to Constance and, and pitch to her that she should be the publisher of Minx um, and thankfully she um, after some <laughs> misgiving she agrees and a new a partnership is formed and Joyce and Doug get back together towards putting Minx out. Um, meanwhile, Bambi, actually the reason she stood up, Richie, she'd gone to see Shelley, uh, Joyce's sister. At the end of last season, Bambi and uh, Shelley had had a romantic encounter. Uh, Shelley is married with teenage kids and so she'd been avoiding Bambi. Bambi turns up and she said she just wants to talk to her. She's you're the best person I know to give give advice. Inevitably, they end up sleeping together. Are almost caught by uh, Shelley's husband. Um, and Shelley's husband said, you know, when I see you with Bambi, you ha- you have the spark about you that I never see anything. You should go back to work for Mink. But um, Shelley is reluctant, <laughs> and we know why, and and he doesn't. This is a very very much a set up episode. And the, as from the second episode, there's a jump in time of a few months till there now. It's 1973. They're running Minks with Constance's money and it's a huge success. And Joyce has got everything she's ever wanted. And what happens when you get everything you, you want, you know, and, and how to cope with it. And of course, inevitably, things go wrong in, in various ways. There's eight episodes, I think, uh, compared to 10 from the the first season so it is a shorter season but yes i have a full review of the season on the the website and it's, it is all up there now on on paramount plus as well so yeah um you can do like dawn and and binge the lot um sarah what did you make of it it's lovely to have them back especially because we know how we very nearly didn't get to see this so it's, it's just an absolute pleasure to have them back i did <laughs> think i was halfway through the second episode when I went oh I haven't written any notes yet I'm enjoying it so much (laughs) (laughs) I did write down the gang's all here with the new wealthy widow benefactor who might be planning to push Doug out 
that seemed to be quite obvious from that will be a, a source of conflict. Um, my my reading was that she's play, playing them off against each other was the way I read it rather than trying to push one out. But Dawn, Dawn's doing a very good poker face there. Yeah. <laughs> You're kind um, of both right. <laughs> I thought that Shelley and Bambi's relationship is the most interesting. And yeah. Shelley's husband, whose name I've forgotten, the boring dentist, he's trying to be more interesting. And he doesn't realise that his relationship is in jeopardy and he's still trying to be a good husband and supportive of her and tells her to go back to the magazine. And he's not as lacking in self-awareness as the women who know him might think. And he's not being set up as a sort of two-dimensional guy to get in the way of this new affair, um, which I think is pretty decent writing, especially for a a normal sort of um, love triangle. I enjoyed the second episode more and watched it on Dawn's recommendation. (laughs) It was brilliant. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, It's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. Bed knobs and broomsticks. I'm assuming that was the, the bit that you said you laughed your absolute socks off at. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was the name of the episode, isn't it? I was expecting the bed to fly or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really liked uh, the projectionist. He was fantastic and he had some excellent lines. Really, really good. And then we feel that things have been a bit awkward and then the characters admit to themselves things have been a bit awkward. They're not sure about porn being mainstream now. It's had its draw packs. Minx is a new position in the world and they're changed relationships with each other. In a way, it's a more mature series. The tribulations and the trials that they're going to face are slightly different, slightly more nuanced. Yeah, really interested to see what, what happens. I'm going to try not to binge it because it's, it's worth <laughs> taking your time over. Yeah, I think that's the word, Sarah, nuanced. I think the characters here are so well-drawn and sort of multi-layered. You you believe in their, in how they're feeling and those secondary characters who sometimes get lost along the way, like Richie, like Tina, you sort of feel like we'd like to be in a better position than we were. You know, they've basically gone back to the start and mm. all the actors in this, their performances are, are so well observed you know the little looks that they give when they're asked to do something the sort of combative relationship between Ophelia Loverbond and and Jake Johnson is absolutely you know it's it's very old school scruple comedy higher class female lower class male but it just works and this is quite a revolutionary subject even now to have as the forefront of this sort of comedy drama really funny that second episode as well Episode one, very much a setup. We're getting introduced to 
Elizabeth Perkins, who I'm just trying not to think is playing the same character she plays in the after party as well. Um, (laughs) Another wealthy, just playing wealthy widows, obviously, this year. But yeah, just brilliant, you know, great chemistry between the cast, really witty and yeah, just believable and and warm as well, I would say. Hoping for more, but but sort of pessimistic that we'll get more, uh, given, as we said, about how hard it was for them just to get this one seen and obviously this week we've heard that they've cancelled the great as well so we're losing some of the shows that we really like but minx's biggest fan dawn glenn take it away i i have to say as a shipper and a big fan of moonlighting thing one of the things i like most is that it's not a ship it's not a romantic relationship between joyce and doug there's not been a hint of it and i think it's very well written in that you're not shipping them they've not written that ambiguity it's very clear you know they're close to each other they're they have things against each other they they bash heads you know they they butt up against each other but he has a relationship with tina which is he's in love with her she's in love with him and it's a although as the series goes on you know there are issues with their relationship i love that they haven't done that because that is the easy route and again it goes back to what you were saying about it being nuanced and there's some great stuff in this season about Richie, about homosexuality. Even in the, the West Coast of America, where it's supposed to be all free loving, and he still has a face-to-face issue with the police. And there is a, also a hilarious episode about the Battle of the Sexes tennis match, um, which involved um, tennis rackets and penises. And it's very, very funny. The, the thing is that it's still... It's, got heart and it's got important messages about feminism and self-actualization Shelley's journey through this season is really really interesting but it also just remains very funny throughout the cast are brilliant I love Jake Johnson especially I think he he plays Doug so well who could come across badly as this idiot schlubby sleazy guy who's always trying to make a buck but you can tell there's real heart there and I think that's a, a difficult thing to pull off, and, and Jake Johnson does it really well. I, I hope there's a third series, but um, we'll see. Glowing review there for Minx. All up there now on uh, Paramount Plus, and we end with another uh, comedy drama. Uh, it's uh, still up. This stars Antonia Thomas and Craig Roberts. Uh, they play uh, best friends Lisa and Danny. Uh, as the title would suggest, uh, they are still up in that they can't go to sleep. They're insomniacs. We see them talk via video chat into the early hours of the morning. Uh, this first episode uh, sees Lisa go to an all-night chemist. Uh, she's buying uh, lotion for her daughter, who has chicken pox, but she's still allowed her to go uh, on a school trip. Danny, we learn, is also agoraphobic hasn't left the flat in some time and he's at the moment trying to pretend that he's not in his flat because he's told everyone in the block that he has gone to disneyland this is mainly to avoid attending the birthday party of a cat of one of his neighbors played by uh, rich fulcher but when he gets hungry he orders a pizza but again tries to avoid being seen with comical results especially when the pizza delivery man says he now needs a a picture of Danny getting the pizza basically. There's also a subplot where Lisa is keen to sign Danny up to a dating app as he hasn't been in a relationship for three years 
Uh, it's the same app that Lisa met her partner on, and it is one where you get a sort of percentage match a la eHarmony. At the end of the episode, Lisa discovers she's still on the app because she matches, I believe it was something like 91%, uh, with Danny. And we learned earlier that she only was like 51%, I think, with her current partner. So very much a a shippy uh, series this will be. So we turn over to ship expert Dawn Glenn for her thoughts. I feel really conflicted about this show because... I watched four episodes and okay. in my mind, I, I know, of something I, I wasn't sure about. The problem is that I didn't feel massive chemistry between the leads. I didn't feel them as a as a, a romantic couple. And also because she has this partner, Veggie, played by Blake Carson, who seems very nice and, you know, looks after her daughter. And he's, he's not the daughter's father. He says he's a stepfather. He's a really good guy. And so the thought of her falling for someone else, I just feel really bad for Veggie. Craig Roberts, he's very good, but I don't know. He just doesn't feel like he goes with Antonia. She's fantastic. And there's a lot of focus on her because obviously she's out and about, whereas he's only in his flat. And I really enjoyed following her. I, I would happily spend more time in her company and, you know, be just be a sitcom about her. And there is some weird writing that where they're trying to be really quirky and, and something that and I think it's the second episode basically she's on a bus trying to return her aunt's dress and some young young people steal the dress from her and a guy puts it on and is wearing it and her way to get it back from him which Craig inspires is to take off all her clothes and he gives the dress back and I'm like what why that made no sense to me it didn't it's like it's trying really hard to be quirky, but there are moments of it I really quite enjoyed, and I, I I just I really enjoyed the performances, but I just don't feel like I ship it, and obviously that's the central premise, so I don't know quite how that how that goes, and they don't explain at all how these people are friends, how they met, or how they mm. um and and I so I well that was one of the reasons I kept watching, I kept thinking to to see what that story is and there was a little hint in the fourth episode that there was some backstory it didn't feel very believable that's the key thing Mm. to me but I enjoyed their performances are they ever in the same set you know are they ever on screen together because that to me was part of the block I think in terms of the chemistry I'm very much with you in terms of the you know I don't know if you're not feeling it because you need them to be sort of face to face and in yeah. the same scene rather than just over video chat all the time. And I'm in agreement with you about Antonia Thomas. I absolutely love her. Interestingly, she did a similar sort of shippy. I don't know if you remember years ago. Initially, when it was on Channel Four, it's called Scrotal Recall. Yeah. With Johnny yeah. Flynn, who was in The Lovers a couple of weeks ago. Craig Roberts, I only know from uh, Richard Iowadi's, um submarine, of his film that was on was years and years ago. I found her a lot more likable than him. You don't always need everything explained to you, but you do need a little bit more around the relationship. Obviously, we know that she's been around a while because she remembers his ex-girlfriend who's not been there for three years. But you're right. I mean, these, these are the unbelievable situations that they get into. She has to pretend to be a chemist he has to do this elaborate thing just to get a pizza because he's got a kooky neighbor who has a birthday for a cat 
their relationship is interesting, but everything around it, you struggle to believe. That was that's sort of where I am. And individually, they work, but together, I'm not buying it. And I think, as you say, you have to to enjoy this. Sarah, where are you on this? Interestingly, I really liked Craig Roberts in it, and I would spend a lot more time in his company, (laughs) The Quirky Woman. I thought he was interesting. There was depth. Something terrible has happened, possibly associated with his his girlfriend leaving him. There's some trauma that he hasn't worked through, so instead he's just hidden himself away in this flat that it does seem that he cannot afford. Yeah, I, I wrote down, I hope they don't do video calls often. It's so annoying in public. I don't want to hear the tinny voice of your friend who's on phone with you. It, I blame Anne and Sugar for people holding their phones wrong in front of them instead of to their <laughs> ear. Um, and video calls just make that more prevalent. Like, God, I just want to buy all these people some headphones. But that actually um, is one of the most believable things now. I, I find that everyone's <laughs> just walk. you know, as someone who walks a lot, you find now just everyone is on their phones either on video call, just like holding the phones like these people. They do do that now. So I yeah. did find that quite believable. Yeah. If you're out and about, you do see this people just walking to work with their phones in front of them, not paying attention to anything around them. Sorry, rant over. I liked their friendship and I believed their friendship and I thought they were lovely. Uh, like you say, I don't think I believe them as a couple. And yeah, I would be really bugged if I hadn't, if I'd watched four episodes and didn't know how they'd met. That's just really annoying. Is it a major plot point that they're leaving till the final episode or is it just bad writing? Or is it a little of both? Uh, More importantly, how do I get an invite to Rich Fulcher's cat's birthday party? Because I would (laughs) go, oh my God. Um, it's nice, but I don't think it's enough to make me want to watch a load, unless yeah. perhaps I get insomnia. Yeah, no, I agree with that, Sarah. And Dawn, are you, are you halfway through? You're just going to finish it off now? Is that where you yeah, are? Yeah, I'll finish it off so I can come back and see, yes, it was a big plot point at the end, or <laughs> no, it was just bad writing. I, just I will report back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dawn. <laughs> The first three episodes are all up there now on Apple TV Plus as their weird sort of viewing thing. And then it's one a week. Uh, Thank you so much, guys, for joining me once again. Uh, Do you want to just go through your social medias and where we can find your stuff online? Yeah, let me go first because I'm not in many places. (laughs) (laughs) I'm at Sarah Hampster on Twitter and um, my writings are on whynow.co.uk. I'm on Twitter for the time being <laughs> at Don Glenn too, um, and I am on Threads and Instagram, same name, uh, Ikaloshu, which is I K K L E O S U, and uh, there's the Shipyard and the Daryl Dixon podcast. You can find it all on my Twitter. We are on thecustertv.com. Uh, at Matt's TV Bites is my Twitter. At Luke TV is where you can find all the website stuff. At TV Pod. Uh, is the podcast feed uh, you can find us on apple spotify all those uh different podcast apps of choice please uh, rate review subscribe and as i said uh, at the top please let us know if you'd like more flashback episodes we are also on facebook we are on instagram it's the custard tv which dawn uh, runs so give us a follow on there so um because she works very hard on that uh, and custardtvreviews at gmail.com is the website if you'd like to get in touch and be either part of the podcast or part of the website or both 
next time we will be uh, reviewing, among other things, BBC One's Boiling Point. Uh, but until then, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.